0: Middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas
1: and beyond with Tommy Castor and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say that we are only mildly entertaining. I say we are exactly where we are supposed to be heading back to the Diamond, finally, here on episode 97 of the Keeper of the Games podcast, the only podcast focusing on sports in and around and of interest to Wichita, Kansas. I am Blake Cripps, joined once again by Tommy Caster, and of course, you can always find us at CogSports.com, kogsports.com, and watch the newest episodes, if you dare, on our YouTube channel. Just search for Keeper of the Games. Also, Facebook.com slash Keeper of the Games. You can interact with us on Twitter at kog Pod and the audio drops pretty much everywhere that you would want it to drop. Stitcher, Spotify, Google, so many more platforms. cogpod.podomatic.com. We would appreciate it if you would like share and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Tommy, how have the last couple of weeks been treating you and the Caster family?
0: Yeah, not bad. Uh, we are getting uh, getting close to my son's first birthday. Uh, which, wow. you know, it seems like just yesterday sure. I took like a month off from the podcast uh, to, to deal with or to, to celebrate his birth. And we are getting close to one year with the little guys. So, uh, yeah, wow. things are good.
1: That's outstanding. Well, we will talk about a lot of other things that are good and some that are not so good on the Diamond Sports today. The State of the Royals and also a Wind Surge update. It's pretty much all Diamond Sports because we are starting with Wichita State softball and baseball wrapping up the Shockers season from this spring, we will start, of course, with softballs. The Shockers finished 34-18 overall, 14-4 in the league, second-place finish in the American Athletic Conference. They made their second straight NCAA tournament appearance, their sixth in program history, 1-2, and two, however, in the regional. They lost twice to number 23, Oregon, in the Fayetteville Regional. While beating Princeton, Oregon won the two games by a combined 18 18- to three. Head coach Christy Breadbenner has now led Wichita State to the NCAA tournament four times, and three of the last five seasons that the tournament has been held. But of course, the shortcoming of this shocker team was their performance against the top twenty-five. Wichita State went just one and nine against the top twenty-five in twenty twenty two. So it's no big secret where the next big area of improvement must come. For WSU softball, it's against elite competition. Tommy, your thoughts on back to back NCAA appearances for this program that was very, very much in the balance until the very, very last moment when they got selected on Selection Sunday. I know that there were some other programs that were left out that thought that they had a good enough candidacy and a good enough resume to get in. Western Kentucky was one of those teams that was very close to getting in. But this shocker program has now tabulated winning seasons in nine of Bredbenner's last eleven years, but it's a first-round exit essentially in the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that w- this this program is at the point now where, yeah, they've made two straight NCAA tournaments. All six of their tournament appearances have come under Coach Bredbenner. So we're at the point of that program where she has established herself in this program among the top in the country. It's just a matter, like you mentioned a couple minutes ago, of performing at a higher level against the more elite teams in the country. And, you know, the last time we did this show, uh, the Shockers hadn't, the the selection uh, hadn't even happened yet at that point. We were talking about the merits of Shocker softball uh, being selected to go to the NCAA tournament. And we were talking about what might happen if the Shockers ended up in a Norman regional or a Stillwater regional. They ended up in the Fayetteville regional. And and you would almost think that obviously they were waiting until the last minute to to figure out if they had been selected or not. But that had to have been at the time sort of a, a, a sigh of relief that the shockers avoided both Oklahoma regionals by going to okay. Fayetteville.
1: <clears throat> no, the right? Arkansas I mean, is not exactly no no No, no, no.
0: I, 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 I know they're a top 25 team, but we've seen even as recently as this season, how the Shockers have struggled against those opponents to the state just to the south of Kansas. They played OU and, and lost to OU. Yeah. Um, they played both OU and Oklahoma State last season and struggled against them. I mean, they did uh,
1: play Arkansas this year, too. And, and they, you know, I think they lost. I think it was like 9-1 or something to but wouldn't
0: But wouldn't you, if you had the choice between Norman, Stillwater, and Fayetteville— Probably. Kind of the lesser, big... the lesser of huh. three evils is Fayetteville, sure. right? Sure.
1: Uh, and, I mean, and so, as, as much lesser of three evils as a top ten SEC sure. softball team sure. can possibly be. Sure. Yeah, I, I probably would still pick that.
0: You know, so you look at what this softball program has accomplished the last couple of seasons and then throughout the entire tenure of Coach Breadbenner, she's done great things for Shocker softball. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Now, it's, now it's time for the softball program to take the next step. And, you know, we've seen just absolutely incredible offense from this Shocker softball team, 121 home runs this season. We talked on this program last year about the 103 home runs that the Shocker softball team slugged and thought, how can you get any better than that? And all they did was just hit 18 more home runs this season than they did a year ago. Uh, So it's not just the team, the individual performances, offensively phenomenal from Addison Barnard. And, you know, just the the fact that you've got – just the one, the one-two punch. Uh, the and everybody contributes on this team offensively.
1: A lot of people N- do.
0: Now the question is, what can the Shockers do to build on that next year to maintain their success offensively? Have the pitching come around a little bit more? Not that it was terrible by any means. Uh, I'm not. I don't want to knock shock, Shocker pitching, uh, but you know, it's not the it's not the juggernaut that offense that offenses for Wichita State no. so w- w- what's the next what's the next step to develop some of your arms in in that you already have on the roster what is recruiting look like and what can you do to sort of re-bolster up that rotation that bullpen so you can be more of a complete team I think we saw this team be a little bit top heavy on on the offensive side um I, I that's got to be a priority for me moving forward is how can you be a little bit more balanced next season
1: Looking back, and because we said, you know, gosh, if the pitching just be a little bit better, and pitching certainly is again going to be the question mark going into this offseason. I may not have been as reasonable with last year's team as I thought in terms of pitching. They actually pitched pretty damn well last year. Yeah. it was an area that we thought they could improve on because again, you know, us going into this season thought that they they can't possibly be a better offensive team than they were last year. And again, I mean, are we going to look at, you know, twenty twenty three Wichita State softball and say, well, I mean, they're going to hit one hundred and forty home runs this year. I mean, that's, right. that's that's just stupidity. There's they can't possibly just keep adding twenty home runs every year. I mean, maybe we'll be doing this a year from now in May, and I'll they'll hit hit one hundred fifty home runs, and I'll look like an idiot. And I would love that. I would love to be wrong on that, but it's just not reasonable to expect that. That level of improvements going to come when they're already top five in the country in home runs. I thought it was maybe an area that they could improve upon, that would take them to elite status. And I think mm-hmm. that that's the answer. There's not much where to go upward with the offense, so I think probably I did not give last year's staff the recognition or the credit that they were due. Well, and, don't forget
0: way- how dom- don't forget how dominant Bailey Lang was last year for Wichita State. Oh, pitching. definitely. Of course, that was a massive loss in that rotation. Oh,
1: huge loss.
0: For Coach Benner that I think Wichita State had trouble. I mean, it's hard to replace somebody that dominant. But even with a couple of different arms, I don't think it was quite. I mean, the, the results speak for themselves. Not quite as dominant on the pitching side yeah. as I the mean, team was a year ago with Bailey Lang.
1: Walks were up. Opponent average was up. The Shockers actually played fewer innings this year, so the whip and walks per nine were both up because they played fewer innings but walked more batters, and none of that is probably going to be a big deal in conference play outside of playing the Florida schools, which, you know, the the makeup of this conference is going to change dramatically here in the next two, three, four years, but against these Power 5 schools and these top 25 schools, it just hurts in the margins. Are a lot more slim, and you know, I I think that there are some things to be excited about on the pitching staff. I'm not saying that like you know we need to get rid of the pitching coach like Oh, no. Presley Bell obviously has to get fired. that's no. that's ins- that's insanity and, and stupidity. I mean, that they have Allison Cooper who has room to improve, but she was unanimously named the AACL rookie team as a pitcher, and there's going to be opportunities to sign some other arms because you don't have Aaron McDonald coming back. You don't have Caitlin Bingham coming back. And they chewed up a lot of innings and they were, I mean, they were both good. They were both okay, but and okay. is probably a, a bit too unkind, but
0: well, Caitlin team, Bingham, I mean, you, you look at what she brought to the table was, um, I mean, obviously she was a veteran. She'd been in that program for a while and sure. she was a solid, I, I just, I go back to last year. She was a solid Robin to uh, Bailey Lang's Batman. Like it was a good one to punch. Um, Bingham had to sort of step into the leadership role a little bit more this season. You know, and I don't think that it's. Again, we're not calling for she didn't any, have a like, bad massive... year. No, no, no. And the pitching staff all, at all didn't have a, didn't bad, have a bad, year bad year at all. Year. No, but I think it's realistic to say there was a little bit of a drop off from last year to this year. And statistics may and, and maybe contributed a little bit more to sort of the, the struggles that we saw down the stretch.
1: Sure. I mean, there's a reason why they didn't win 46 games this year, and it wasn't right. because of the offense. You know, no. it just wasn't because of the offense. Certainly this team has again shown at times as explosive and unbelievable that they are, but sometimes they don't always meet the level of competition against the elite schools, against the top 25 schools. Against and it, it's not a power 5 problem. And I want to make that very clear. I mean, they showed that last year against Texas A&M, SEC school. They showed it against Princeton in this season. It's not a you know like a mid-major or you know a small guy you know taking on the big guy. Like there's a mental hurdle to overcome. It's not that. It's not that at all. I'm not trying to make that no. the case. It's the fact that these programs, the Arkansas, the Oklahoma States, the Oklahomas have got arms. They've got great arms, elite arms. And at times, look at the Oregon, you know, look at the Oregon series. The shockers, you know, did not score at the rate that they have in other games when they're not playing teams that are against the top twenty-five. So that's something else to look at. You know, the so offense h- I don't think is blameless.
0: How in, do in you how do you combat that? Like how what what's is there a, a strategy or an answer or something where you can take that next step, where you can say, all right we've we have established who we are and what we're going to do our identity our culture we we win games we finish we either win the conference we finish in the top 2 or 3 in the conference and more central than florida, likely by the
1: way let's remind rem- remind our audience they're a top 25 team too so sure. it's not like they're the shockers are not mm-hmm. winning their league sure. and they're you know finishing second to somebody who shouldn't be beating them central florida is a legit top 25 team right
0: and, you know, you're you're more than likely going to be selected in the NCAA tournament. We've seen that the last two seasons. That becomes a little bit of a trend that, that you can habit. build upon. This team we saw last season break into the top 25. So you've established this culture, but yet you have a hard time taking that next step. And, and so I think that we, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that you and I are agreeing that this team is a very good softball program but they're not Very an good. elite. They're not an elite softball program. They've not yet crossed not yet. that threshold. So the my question is, if you're Coach or what do you do to try to take that next step?
1: I mean, you got to find. Can you find honestly? If you find the Addison Barnard who pitches, you're probably there. I mean, if you find a some stud freshman who's coming in. With an ERA that's in the low twos, you're probably right there in the top 25, right? I mean, that's that's really all that's separate in my mind. If you look at all these elite teams, and not that I've gone down the stats, but, you know, I mean, look at, what was it, James Madison last year that, you know, they, they made that huge run. What did they have? I think it was, her first name was Odyssey. They had an elite arm that can just chew up innings and win you ball games and, you know, pitch your way to victory and just shut teams down and take so much of the pressure off of your offense in these high leverage games against elite competition. I think that if you have an arm like that when you're playing in Oregon, you don't have to worry about giving up 18 runs in two games. You're just you you just won't. I think the Shockers defensively played just fine this year. I don't, I don't think that it's a defensive issue at all. I I it, you just need That elite arm that's going to come in, be the ace, and you know I don't know how that's going to happen. You know, far be it from me to tell Coach Benner, I don't think she's going to watch our show and be like, oh yeah, you know, geez guys, get better pitching, huh?
0: (laughs) That's a shocker. I didn't ever thought about that before.
1: Wish somebody on our on my staff would have told me this. Geez, I need to hire you guys as quality control coaches or something. But I mean, I think that that is that's the. That's what the, the next step, step but, is know, going to be. you know,
0: we talked about it last time on the program about how, you know, the, that elite competition has the ability to just completely silence the explosive offense that the Shockers At possess. Times. At times. They get uh, the top pitcher, the star pitcher, the ace, to go up against the, the Shocker bats, and we've seen... Those shocker bats go quiet at times, and,
1: and it's not and necessarily it, a hits problem. Mm-hmm. But in those games, I mean, you look at some of the games that Oregon that they played against Oregon, the Shockers. You look at the hit numbers; they still had seven, eight hits. Yeah, but they just don't string them together like they do when they're you know scoring a hundred thousand runs on Memphis, or you know when they're blowing them out, or you know when they're hitting twenty home runs in one inning or seven like back-to-back home runs in one inning, they just don't, they're not able against the really, really, really good, I, I mean, let me use the word great teams, against the great teams, at times, they don't string hits together. They don't keep the line moving.
0: I think also it's important to, and I don't want to take anything away from the incredibly impressive Individual records that Addison Barnard set. Oh yeah, the individual effort that Sidney McKinney had this season. I mean the the fact that Addison Barnard hit the third most home runs in NCAA (laughs) history ever <laughs> is mind-blowing like that's a, yeah. that's incredible in the number of games that this team played and she had 33 home runs you know the fact that that Sidney McKinney set you know her broke her own single season record with batting average and hits I mean that, that that's all impressive and I don't want to take anything away from that I but mean, I think, think about that, this
1: Tommy Addison Barnard think about how impressive a 30-30 season is in the major leagues
0: oh sure yeah she
1: went 30 30 plus home runs. She had 25 steals in like a third
0: of the schedule in softball. Yeah,
1: that's sure. that's insane. That's insane. I mean, when you think of
0: 30 30, you think of guys like Barry Bonds. Yeah. Um, you know, and and so you're 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 putting that you're putting her in that same category with many 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 less games. So yes. But but I my point is this again. I don't don't want to take anything away from the individual accomplishments because they're impressive, they're fantastic, and they should be celebrated. But w- would you rather, as a fan or as a supporter of the program, would you rather have record breaking individual accomplishments, or would you rather have a deep run in the NCAA tournament? And you know, and, and so I think that's that's the question. Like, do you want to be the team in the in the 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 one of the best teams in the country in hitting home runs and put on a hell of a show night in and night out but have an early exit in the tournament it's kind of like you know you equate it to college basketball a little bit and you've got you know the teams that are high flying and they're you know shooting a ton of three-pointers and they're making them or they're they're known for their fast break alley-oops or whatever and that's awesome and they've got a guy that can put up 40 points and you know just is incredible and they're a 500 team, you know, and they sure. or they they can't maybe anybody. they can't stop anybody or they end up, uh, you know, maybe coming in second or third in their conference. They get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament and they get bounced in the first round like that's cool. That's great. But ultimately you're, you're there to make a deep run. And so I think that those are the questions that need to be addressed and answered. Like, again, I want to make it very clear. I'm not knocking any of the individual accomplishments because it's, it's awesome. It's great. It was fun to watch this team play, but I think that when you've got those weapons, especially offensively, you need some arms to complement that because that's going to be the only way that you can again, make a deep run.
1: I think the other thing too, you have to consider is that, Coach Brett Benner has to put a product out there that gets people to come sure. to the games. And, I mean, they sold out a couple games at Wilkins yeah. Stadium this year. It was They have, I think, really great buy-in. I mean, Wilkins Stadium is not a huge stadium, but they're selling it out on a pretty regular basis.
0: Well, yeah, as of shockers. this year, I mean, this season, they're putting out a better... They put out a better product than Eric Wedge's team did, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. We uh, are. They, they they put out Just a better slightly, product. slightly better. They, they put out a better product this season than Isaac Brown's team did. You know? And, and so, I, I mean, they're, they're... Yeah. I mean, they're the, they're the talk
1: of... They should be the sure? talk of the university. and Without I mean, a doubt. Probably men's track and field, but it's not really a spectator sport. But, you know, I, I they're... On the positive side, we've talked about what's not coming back, and we would be remiss if we did not mention Neely Herring's, Herring's name, no. um, because I think she she is going to be so missed at first base. She just does everything. She's such an underrated defender at first base. She hits for some power, hits for good average, just does a lot of different stuff that you want your first baseman to do. So Neely Herring is is not going to be an easy player to replace on the I corner, saw
0: she, I saw she signed a contract to play professional softball today so if she'll I uh, a team in Florida I believe okay I don't I mean, remember yeah, the actual team but
1: yeah I mean that she looks like she could play professionally somewhere sure. for a few years I don't know what her long-term plans or goals are I don't know if she's got you know if she's good enough to like, play internationally make an Olympic team things like that but yeah she can play professionally not surprised at that but outside of that, and Wiley Glover is also gone. But there's a lot of this lineup that's coming back. Yeah, you got the Player of the Year, Addison Barnard, Sydney McKinney coming back. Breakout Player of the Year, in my opinion, first teamer Lauren Lucas. She was really good. Have, haven't even mentioned Lauren Lucas, who would be probably the best player on every other team in the American outside of Central Florida. That she's probably their best player. Lauren Mills hitting home runs. Zoe Jones on the infield, and as I mentioned earlier, Allison Cooper was on the all-rookie team. Can she take the next big step? So there, there is so much to be, and I know this is going to sound pretty much the same as what I said last year, there's a lot to be excited about. And there's no reason to think that if Allison Cooper can develop a little bit because you know there's a lot of innings to replace with McDonald and Bingham being gone from the circle. So if the Allison Cooper can develop, can improve, get the ERA down, bring the walks down, and if the Shockers can add pitching this year, there's no reason to think that you know th- a third NCAA tournament bid in a row and uh, you know contending again for the American Athletic Conference championship. There's no reason to think that those two things are going to be unlikely this year. I mean that that that's probably going to be the expectation this year for this team.
0: Yeah, and I think that again, go, just summing up everything we've talked about, it's pretty apparent w- w- what the need is, right? And so now, if you're Coach Breadbinner, you go out and you get it. You know, you try to find a yep. way to to develop the the arms that you have, and you go out there and you try to find, you know, a stud or, or two to go and you know be able to complement the 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 offensive prowess that this team has by the way neely herring i looked it up she signed with the florida vibe professional softball team uh so that was just announced just a few hours ago so uh she will be the newest member of that team
1: okay well good luck to her and the vibe and obviously uh another fantastic year for for shocker softball shocker baseball uh well not exactly what they were hoping for this year they go 2-and-Q, as we like to say, in the American Athletic Conference tournament, finishing 21-and-36 in a tie four-sixth in the American Athletic Conference baseball standings, 9-and-15 on the year. Shockers lose 4-of-5 to end the year. The, catcher of, uh, the career of catcher Ross Kadena comes to an end, as does infielder Garrett Kosis. The Shockers' best pitcher out of the pen, Connor Holden, a grad student. I don't believe that he is coming back as well. There are some bright spots to take away. Brock Rotten had an OPS of over 1,000 just a sophomore, bashed 17 home runs. There's other guys coming as well. I think that there is a lot of positive on the nucleus for this team, but uh, there was a lot of things that the Shockers did not do well, and they were a team that was very streaky in a bad way. They had several long losing streaks. They had a couple of really bad two-week stretches, that really sabotaged their chances to take another step this year. I think that Eric Wedge came into the year, I believe his winning percentage was something like 630, 650 or so. Uh, it took a big-time hit this year as they finished 15 games below 500. And the weird thing is, Tommy, I don't know if it's weird or not, I don't feel like there's a lot of people that are just you know up in arms and you know spewing... Think about all the people on social media and calling into radio shows that were like, oh my gosh, basketball, Isaac Brown's gotta go. We gotta get rid of Darren Boatright. We you know what's wrong with men's basketball. I'm not hearing that about baseball. And if I was, you know, in charge of baseball, that would not make me feel good about where my program is because I think there's just there's I don't want to necessarily use the word apathy, but there is a level of, let's say, mild disinterest with this program right now that is, you know, based on where the shocker program was 20 years ago would have been, you know, unthinkable.
0: I wholeheartedly disagree with with that. I mean, I I believe that I don't even think apathy. I don't even think apathy enters into the conversation. I just think. It's the nature of the beast between both of these sports. Like, what have you ba- saying?
1: What have you done for me lately?
0: Basketball is intense. It's passionate. It's I'm not saying baseball's not, but it's very much. Yeah, it's what have you done for me lately? It's you know, shocker. Right. Basketball was at the highest peak of the mountaintop, and has fallen off pretty dramatically, and pretty quickly. Uh, sure. And, and nothing, you know, nothing saying that they can't rebuild that, but people are going to jump ship pretty quickly with that and have a very short fuse with basketball. Baseball just by its nature is a little bit more reserved and laid back. It's more of a marathon, not a sprint. I mean, it's look been at the a while though, but look at the, I mean, Todd Butler lasted five seasons, I think, or maybe even longer at Wichita state and he never got above mediocre And it it got to the point to where I would say that's a level of disinterest where it goes on for so long to where, yeah, it's hard to ignore several years of mediocrity.
1: Six seasons, actually. Six seasons, right.
0: So, you know, you you have a a team that just really never moves the needle and it takes six seasons to to make a move. And I I think that there is— 11
1: games under five hundred in his tenure.
0: You know, so I think that it, I think that you have a little bit of a longer leash uh, when you're a baseball coach or a baseball manager. Uh, now that being said, I think that leash for Eric Wedge is shortened a little bit, considering that the 21 wins is the tied for the fewest in the history of this storied program. That's unacceptable, and the first person that would tell you that would be Eric Wedge. Uh, I think the fact sure. that uh, yeah, in the six seasons that Todd Butler was there, it was mediocre the entire time. But he always won more than 21 games. The first person who would tell you that is unacceptable is Eric Wedge. He knows because he's been a part of the program. He was with the program at the the peak of the mountaintop. And so it, I still fully trust that Eric Wedge can get this thing turned around. Um, but... I agree with you that there were some concerning things about this team. I think that depending on which direction you want to look at, I mean, you can spin it either way. You can look at the long losing streaks as a sign that this program is going down the drain and Eric Wedge is not the right guy to turn it around and they need to figure something else out. But I think then you can also look at the way they ended the regular season by sweeping Tulane at home and then beating Oklahoma 18 to nothing. In the regular season finale as a sign that, OK, there there might be some signs of life here. So, I, you know, it, it's it's certainly subjective, uh, but I do believe that I'd like to believe at least that this season was an anomaly. It, it's not it, it's the exception, not the rule, um, because I look back at what the, the squad did a year ago with largely the same the same personnel and I'd like to think that he can get it done again.
1: So a couple, so an early correction here because you're not like really incorrect, but I so I'm technically correct to you, which of course being technically correct is the best kind of correct. Okay. But of course the Shockers did have one winless season after vacating those wins under Gene Stevenson. Wow. Okay. They had thirteen mm-hmm. wins in twenty twenty. Uh, because of okay. the uh, lack of season. And obviously, that does had a couple of winless seasons back in, before the Gene Stevenson era, uh, just to set the record okay. straight. Okay,
0: fine. But okay, whatever.
1: <laughs> overall, uh, I, I overall, I agree with what you're saying. In the Gene Stevenson era, it was, in winning percentage terms, the second worst season that they've ever had. And in conference play, it was the second worst season that they've ever had. In terms of winning percentage, Todd Butler's last team in the in the American Athletic Conference had a worse uh, conference winning percentage. His 2016 team in the Missouri Valley Conference had a worse overall winning percentage. This program, I think, has some pieces in it, though. You look at, I talked about Brock Rodd. Chuck Ingram hit 14 home runs. Peyton Tolley does appear like he might be able to actually pull off this pitching and hitting thing. He was a top 10 pitcher, hit over 300. Caden favors just a sophomore with an ERA under three. Cameron Baye had a very nice season with an ERA of 3.76, went five and two. But the Shockers posted an ERA, but a full run above their opponents. They had some long swoons. They were seventh in the league in hitting. They were seventh in pitching. And they were just average in defense. So there was nothing that you could hang your hat on with this team, despite Brock Rodden, despite Chuck Ingram, and despite you know a really good performance this year by Connor Holden and those other pitchers that I mentioned. The Shockers just had too many arms out of the bullpen that you could not trust. They did not develop a starting rotation that you can trust. And their lineup was just too inconsistent from top to bottom to be a threat this year.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I recognize that there was just not this identity. You know, we talked just a few minutes ago about what softball hangs its hat on. There really wasn't a whole lot for soccer baseball to just count on. Right. There wasn't anything that you could go night in and night out and say, we know exactly what we're going to get from this area. And that's what we're going to lean on. Uh, that just really wasn't there. Um, you know so you 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 want to see that develop a little bit more uh next season i do i do question a little bit about the tenure of mike pelfrey and again mike pelfrey In is a way? highly is a highly decorated shocker and is someone that you know had a big league career all of that comes back home pitching coach you know very highly respected i just To your point about what the Shockers brought out of the bullpen um, and not developing a starting rotation that you could at least semi-count on from night in and night out, it makes me wonder what's going on there with the pitching. I mean, you look back at the Gene Stevenson era and it was was a lot of pitching. I mean, there was dominant pitching. A in the '90s and the early great pitching, Mike Pelfrey was one of those great pitchers in the Gene Stevenson era. We're not seeing that. We're not, you know, it, we, we we talked about how Shocker softball doesn't have a dominant arm. Not only does Shocker baseball not have a dominant arm, they don't have like a good arm either. They've got a bunch of okay Cameron had a
1: Cameron By had a very good season. Okay, Hayden favors right. ERA but under we, three, like I mentioned.
0: But if you're but you going more to than two pitchers, but if you're going to be a program, yeah, if you're going to be a programme to finish in the top half of your conference and at least make a little bit of a run in the conference tournament, you have to have more than two arms that are more than just good. I mean, would you consider either one of those guys a dominant arm or an ace? Because I'm not I mean, I'm not so sure. they were good. Sure.
1: Cameron Baia is a top top ten pitcher, I think. I think Caden Favors has a chance. I think he's a top ten reliever in the league. I, were they dominant? I I don't know if I would put them at at that you know level necessarily, but I think that they both have the capability to be what the Shockers need. The Shockers just need more guys like them.
0: Yeah, it, you know. I also I know that one of the things I I had. Um, I was reading a couple of weeks ago some different things about Eric Wedge and his thoughts on the season, and I'm 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 not sure if this was in a a print interview or if it was something that he was interviewed on, on one of his coaches' shows or whatever it was. But he was talking quite a bit about the the non-conference schedule for the Shockers, and they played like something like the 24th or 25th toughest non-conference schedule in the country. And I, I think there's something to be said about that. I mean, they did fall into a pretty deep hole, hole early on. I think they started the season 2-7 and seven or something like that. They pulled themselves out of it at one point, but then went on this long conference losing streak. Um, you know, I, I think that that's part of it, too. I mean, you look at starting the season off with a bunch of guys that are still trying to find their way and the team is trying to find who they are and what they can hang their hat on and you just get punched in the mouth right out of the gate that's a tough way to start
1: what are your thoughts we kind of i i'll let you circle back around if you want to what are your thoughts on where this shocker softball and baseball team are going to be next year
0: i think that we'll and see what shocker do you think that they should
1: be next year well what would be an acceptable level of improvement? Maybe Shocker softball, maybe this is just kind of where they are making the NCAA tournament and, you know, hopefully they, they make a run one of these years. But I think certainly we agree that Shocker baseball, you know, should be better.
0: I think Shocker softball um, will go as far as their, their pitching takes them. Um, you know, we, we again, we know what we're going to get out of the offense. Uh, and, and that's, I would say so that's not going to change especially considering that you know a lot of the weapons are returning next year but this team will go where their pitching goes and and so they should the the softball squad should win the conference next year I mean I've got I have no other expectation for them yeah UCF was a top 25 program um they should they should win the league next year they've done it before they did it Perhaps. they did it last year uh you know that they, they they can they can do it again. Uh, so they should win the conference and they should, I don't I don't know if they should winning a regional is really hard to do. So I don't, I don't want to
1: So hard. I don't want to go on.
0: I don't want to go on record saying they should win the regional, but I'd like to see them at least threaten to win the regional. Um, Which, yeah, they've made regionals the last couple of years. They really haven't threatened to win. I I think
1: that they they made the championship game, if I'm not mistaken. Two years, you know, not this not this season, but the past season. But in that game, you know, Oklahoma kind of just ran through them, which and they
0: were in they they were on the loser side of that bracket too in the championship game. I mean
1: when you're going on the road. It's like, are you really going to go to Fayetteville or Norman or Stillwater and, like, you're going to expect that the Shockers is going to be on the winner's bracket side? It's like, come on. Like, what are we what are we right. talking about here?
0: So they they should. I feel like they should win the league. They should be in the top 25 to in the season. And they should push to win a regional. I'm sure. not going to go on record saying they're going to win one. But they, it, they should push to do be great
1: if they could take a game. And then they had Oklahoma right. on the ropes for one mm-hmm. of those games last year. Yeah. But – we're not able to do that this year unable to duplicate that against oregon i think that they will make the tournament i think they're going to make their third straight ncaa tournament next year i i I just can't see them in a super regional unless Hmm. they host unless they get the chance to host at wilkins wilkins field i don't know if wilkins field there are certain you know attendance restrictions or certain size the limitations on the low end. I'm not sure that Wilkins satisfies those. So maybe the Shockers can't host. I don't know the answer to that, but it's, it's hard for me to say that they're going to go to Arkansas or Oklahoma state or Oklahoma and win. And that, you know, well, that's just what's expected. I'm not sure we can expect that. Uh, What about for Shocker baseball back to 30 wins?
0: Shocker baseball has to be over 500 next year. There's just there's no okay. ifs ands or buts about it. The reason for that is because by this time next year, there will be a new athletic director at Wichita State, and
1: oh, by this time next month, I would
0: think. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, but I'm saying this, when the season is over, the baseball season is over next year. There will be a new oh, athletic definitely. director in place, and yeah, Eric Wedge has great ties to the university. Is a you know, loved figure. That was the, I believe the right hire that Darren Boatwright made because Todd Butler had no connection to Wichita state and he was trying to go as different from Gene Stevenson as possible. That didn't work. And then of course, Darren Boatwright, hires Eric wedge. I believe Eric Sexton hired Todd Butler, if I'm not mistaken, you are, mistaken. Correct. You are uh, correct. but then that's the direction that Eric Sexton wanted to go. Darren Boatwright came in and wanted to restore the shocker connection to that program and the connection to Jane Stevenson. That was the right move. I think Eric wedge is the right guy to lead the program, but there's nothing saying that a new athletic director can't come in and see potentially two losing seasons in a row and want to bring in his own guy. There's yep. nothing saying that that can't happen. So for Eric Wedge's job security, with the, if Darren Bowright was still there, I don't think there. I think that I think that the leash would be a little bit longer. I think that Eric Wedge sure. could have more time to develop. And hey, we might get right around 500, but you know we're still we're going to try to grow this the right way. I think he would have that leeway. I'm not sure you quite have that as much with the new athletic director. So for Eric Wedge's job security, you've got to get the team back somewhere around where it was a year ago where they're, they're above 30 wins. They're in the top half of the American and they're at at least, you know, may they're at least playing good baseball in the postseason. I'm not going to go so far to say that they do anywhere, anything close to making any kind of tournament or playing in a regional or anything like that, but you at least need to make a run in the conference tournament. I think at that point they're back on the right track.
1: I think they'll win a game in the conference tournament next year. I think that they will get to 30 wins. I don't know if I see them getting much more above that. I think 30 wins is probably going to be the target for Shocker Baseball next season. Time to stick with the Diamond Sports, and we will play one of our favorite games to play on the show. It is that time. Do the Royals suck? I am your host, like Cripps, Tommy Castor joining me here, where we take a look and play the game. Do the Royals actually suck at baseball?
0: We need we need theme music for this, we, by the we way. We kind of
1: do. Yeah. Uh, the Royals enter this game today against Minnesota. As you're watching it, they have played uh, the game against Minnesota. Last I looked, they were down 2 nothing in Minnesota. And so, as of games played through, May 25th, The Royals were 14-28, the second-worst team in the major leagues, the worst team in the American League, 12 games back of the Twins in the Central, losers of six in a row, eight of the last ten, and they lost six of their seven series in May. Kansas City 13th in the American League in runs, seventh in batting average, a low strikeout team, but 14th in home runs, and Royals pitching, oh, is it awful, the worst in the AL by over a half a run, nearly five ERA, third worst in Major League Baseball, the fourth worst whip in Major League Baseball, the first, the fourth worst opponent's batting average by a pitching staff in Major League Baseball. So, Tommy, for all of the Chalupas, you have to answer the question, do the Royals suck?
0: Well, before I answer that, I, I need to say you sounded far too happy in saying all of those, those stats. You're smiling. If people are watching this, I mean, Blake is smiling I I from ear oils. to ear right now. I don't I mean. Know, like, well,
1: what else? What else can I do?
0: Are you I a mean, masochist? Like that's what it. That's no. what it. Like you're getting <laughs> pleasure from this. No, um, I'm not. Uh, to to answer
1: i I can i can injure myself but this seems more healthy we're isn't that what we're talking about a mental health is having like positive thoughts sure and and smiling more that's all i'm trying to do it's not if you're a hardcore royals fan yeah you probably want to punch me through your monitor right now (laughs) because this is not funny if you're a royals fan at all and i am a royals fan
0: it's not to to answer your question do the royals suck um, absolutely. And really, I'm not sure there's anything else to talk ding, about. Ding, like, ding. Yeah. There's like, yeah, they do. Um, I almost feel like we should just move on. Like really, there's,
1: thank we got you. got the answer right. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate you that. Won the prize. I don't know what the prize is, but you won. That's
0: our, uh, that's our live studio audience that <laughs> nobody ever yeah, sees. all four of them. <laughs> um, no, they, they do. Um, I, I think the only thing I want to add is that I am, Absolutely embarrassed that in our Royals season preview, uh, I said that the Royals would be better this year than they were last year. Uh <laughs> and they would win more How's games this year than they did you. that's not working out well at all. No. Um that's that's all I have to say. That's kind of my uh my mea culpa, I guess, is that that was a terrible prediction.
1: Uh, I think I read Royals review. I was as I was studying for this, and I think one of the <laughs> this, this, and I know I'm laughing. As a Royals fan, like that's not funny. Um, I read these two words kept coming up at you know like this phrase kept being used all these articles. Do you know what the phrase was? It was alarming rate. Do you know what they was referring to? The Royals are losing games at an alarming rate and yeah, they are. They're really bad. Andrew Benintendi is the only royal hitting above 300. Now, Whit Merrifield started terribly. He's yeah. come on strong lately. Had that incredible play against Arizona where he basically stole three bases on one play. Um Ryan O'Hearn is not good. He's just not no. good no. Uh, at all. Uh I I I'm ready to not see him bat ever again for Kansas City. I'm not ready to give up on Nicky Lopez. I think it's too early, um, but Whit Merrifield is turning a corner. He's hitting over 300 over his last seven games. And a lot of people are saying that oh, Whit Merrifield needs to get out of the starting lineup. I'll just pump the brakes slightly. He's hitting 359 over his last 15 games. He's turning it around.
0: And who on do you other put hand, in there? Other, I mean, like, what other option do you have?
1: Not, not minor league. Right. There are some, a lot Come of people on. I hear calling for Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, I don't even know how to say his name. Pasquantino, Pasquantino at first base out of the minor leagues. He's tearing it up down there. Give him credit for that. Carlos Santana is not giving the Royals anything. And, no. you know, I wish Weston was still on the show for him telling. So I could explain to him and ask him to defend himself. I said, oh, Carlos Santana, that side, he means the Royals are ready to win now. Well, Carlos Santana is not ready to win anything because well, he, he's he the did the he hit the ball well
0: last year, hit the ball well he last year.
1: OK, at times last year. I mean, his I'm not sure. Last-
0: I, I don't want to speak for Weston. Um our, our, our dear, dearly departed. Um, he's, <laughs> he's, not, not he's not dead. dead. Jeez. <laughs> he's just not on the show anymore. I don't want to speak for him. I can't imagine he would be defending Carlos Santana this season. I think he I was last not. season for a good reason, but I can't imagine that he'd be defending him. This he season. hit
1: 214 last year. Like you want that? That's what I'm supposed to be excited about. It's he not had, my opinion. He played opinion. 158 games.
0: Don't yell at me. It's not my opinion. I'm yelling at Weston
1: through you because he was your friend first. He had two. He hasn't hit over 214 in the last 240 games. He's not hit over 214. His batting average the last three years is somewhere around the Mendoza line. What are we doing? He's hitting 167 in 2020 with Cleveland, 60 games. He hit 199. Last year, he hit 214. This is the savior and the sign that the Royals are ready to win. Really?
0: I don't, I mean, not at all. No way. But like, again, it just isn't. But again, who else do you have? No,
1: I mean, who not else much. is there? Slim not, and
0: not much. It's just not there. So, my question is this. Today, when when people are listening to this show, it will be May twenty seventh of twenty twenty two. Less mm-hmm. than two months into the season, do you punt on the season now? Uh, this early and start bringing up more guys? I, yeah. I saw that. I saw that due to injuries. Um, what's the guy's name? Brewer Hicklin is making his major league debut for the Royals on Thursday night. Um, We we've seen multiple other guys make their major league debuts this season. Uh, We we know that Bobby Witt Jr. was was planned and that was that was, you know, a, a done deal. Sure. But MJ Melendez and Kyle Isbell and like all these other guys that are they actually ready for full time commitments in the big leagues? I don't know. But what other choice do the Royals have right now but to at least give him a shot and see if they can produce at a little bit higher level than the established guys that they already have?
1: I mean, and the, the sad thing is that, you know, Zach Greinke is better than I thought he would be. Now, he has, you know, dramatically taken a step back. His ERA is over four and a half now. But, I mean, he's still better than I thought that he would be. He's
0: probably and to Brad, be expected. Yeah. Uh, Brad like Keller 40, is actually eight years good.
1: Years old. Brad Keller is yeah. actually pitching sure. well. His ERA is 3.2, and his whip is 1.03. Yeah. I mean, Daniel Lynch is walking too many guys, but if you'd have told me that Daniel Lynch had an ERA of under four through his first eight starts, I would have said, sign me up. That's uh, that's amazing. Josh Stallman is not quite as good as he has been. Scott Barlow is still pitching amazing. But, oh, my gosh, Carlos Hernandez, what is going yeah. on? This That was my guy. I, I I said Carlos Hernandez needs to get a look at the top end of the pin, at the top end of the order, and so far uh, the look is that he's not ready. And, I mean, Chris Bubich, that, that experiment, that was just an utter disaster. So, the, you know, this pitching staff – is in complete disarray with the exception of just a couple of guys. Dylan Coleman has been fine um, for the Royals, 17 games. he's He's got an ERA of four. So there's a lot of guys who have been solid. And, and like I said, let's not take anything away from Barlow. Um, you know, Brady Singer, when he's been available, ha- was good. And, you know, he... Pitched on the 22nd against Minnesota, had a bit of a layoff there in the first half of the month of May, unfortunate, but he's come back and in his last two starts, Singer has gone 14 innings, seven against the White Sox and seven against Minnesota. He's given up eight hits combined with only three walks, 12 combined strikeouts and no earned runs. So Brady Singer's another guy who has pitched really, really well. And Brad Keller too.
0: Um, so I, that, I want to point out one other pitcher, please, for, uh, that is a, for it's good or not, bad. Well, it's if you're a Royals fan, it's bad. Um, bad. Someone that you look at who was a former Royal that is now pitching lights out, and that's Jacob Junis. Have you followed him I have with not. San Francisco? How Jacob,
1: How his is ERA
0: going? is under three. It's like a two point seven right now. He's wow. the only Giant starter to go longer than five innings in every start that he's made this season. Uh, 7-6? Six,
1: six. Wow, two, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, really sad.
0: Yeah, uh that's, I mean, he had an ERA over five in three seasons with the Royals, signed a one-year deal with the Giants, and he is lighting it up. So it makes me wonder, are we getting to the point to where Kauffman Stadium is just cursed? Is it time to just I, I mean, move we've- downtown? Like I mean, now? The,
1: the Royals won a World Series in 2015. So let's, I mean, let maybe me we'll slam the brakes on curse. I mean, come on, I mean, possibly. But I mean, yeah, the Royals are not good. Hunter Dozier. No, I want to pull, put, you know, point him out as well. He's hitting 298 over his last 15 games. He's hitting just 240 over his last seven. But he's a guy that's also, you know, not. He's been fine, but yeah, his team's not good. Not good. My They've final, the, my. My, yeah, my final, final question, sure.
0: yeah, final question about the Royals: Is Mike Matheny the manager long term for this team, or is he uh, a placeholder for you know another run of young talent for this Royals team whenever they're ready to be developed and actually gel as a team and move forward? Is Mike Matheny the guy?
1: I, I, a lot of people have talked about Mike Matheny. My, I would answer a question with a question. I think you have to look at Dayton Moore first. Dayton Moore is really? the one who's buying the groceries. Yes, absolutely. And Dayton Moore was the one who signed Carlos Santana. Didn't work out. Dayton Moore's the guy that got rid of Jacob Junis, and Junis apparently knows how to pitch now. He's the guy that's brought in these other pitchers who can't throw the ball. He know? also
0: traded for Andrew Benintendi, He was worked out. Benintendi
1: is working out. Benintendi you know? is working out just he fine. Also
0: I- didn't, he also didn't trade with Merrifield, uh, who, you know, has struggled. is still this out season. on that,
1: but I mean, I, I still agree with that decision. Um, he's also the guy that stuck with Alberto Mondesi, who is already going to be out for the year and is made of paper mache. So, you yeah. know, at this point, Date Moore has got way more bad than good. I mean, the good was as good as it can get a two-year run that the Royals have never had before that any team in Major League Baseball would kill to have and a three-year run that was just as good as any three-year run outside of the New York Yankees and you know some really good Boston teams um I mean there's probably been uh, the Dodgers have had some really a long stretch of being really good but a three-year run for the Royals that was just as good as any team could reasonably hope for outside of that the Royals under Dayton Moore's tutelage and leadership and guidance have been, you know, from at best mediocre and at worst really stinking awful.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, you can already tell that the the organization is getting antsy. I wonder how antsy John Sherman is getting as the owner. Um, you know, he's a fairly new owner Maybe. in the league. And, you know, he's... Already making moves, talking about new stadiums and things like that. You know, you've got to have fans to fill that new stadium, and so you need a winning team a on the field. And they've made some early changes already. Terry Bradshaw, no longer the hitting coach. I mean, he's he's out. They told him to kick rocks, and he's he's gone. You know, a lot of people are questioning, is Cal Eldred another sacrificial sure. lamb with this squad? The pitching has been awful overall i mean generally speaking overall, yes. compared generally to awful. awful generally awful is cal elger the next one to go are though are those two guys going to be the sacrificial lambs for mike Matheny? then if then if that doesn't work out where does he stand where does dayton moore stand there's a lot of uncertainty i think moving forward
1: royals are in minnesota facing the twins tonight Starting a four-game series, they will head back to Cleveland after that uh, to wrap up the month of May. Much, much better note to end on in terms of baseball coverage, the Wichita Wind Surge, currently tied for the best record in the Texas League as they lead the Texas League North.
0: Tied I love the hearing the words Texas League again. Better than AA Central, that. didn't do it Absolutely. for you. Nope. I
1: agree. When I, it was weird because I would go to the stats, and like they still had it in the URL as Texas League, but it was labeled as the Double Central. Like, what the hell are they doing that for? Mm-hmm. And from what I was told, it was maybe a rights issue. Like, they didn't have, like, Maple they didn't have the baseball. licensing. Yeah, they didn't have they, the licensing for all the historical
0: can, leagues. Like, how the, can you
1: acquire the leagues and not have the licensing? Like, how? Like, is they that couldn't. Even
0: possible? They couldn't use. I mean, the the historic Pacific Coast League, which has been around forever, the teams that had been oh, in that league forever couldn't dub. W- Triple-A West or whatever it was. Right, exactly, yeah. So I love hearing Texas League. Yes,
1: as do I. So the wind surge uh, have a run differential of plus 31. They're in the lead in the Texas League North. They're second in the league behind only Northwest Arkansas. They're a 20-20, and believe it or not, in run differential. The surge have allowed the second fewest runs in the league. They're coming off a 4-2 series win over Springfield in their last series. I was at five of those six games. They have split the first two games of a six-game set at Corpus Christi following a slow start. They seem to have settled things down pretty nicely here as we approach the end of the first third of the season, Uh, and, and they've got some very, very nice pitching. They're just an average hitting team, but, man, they have had some fantastic pitching. How much Wind Surge Baseball have you been able to partake in, and what are your thoughts on this Wind Surge team over the first third of the year?
0: I've only been to one game uh, so far this year. Um, I, I hope to you know get out to more as the summer goes sure. on uh, but only been to one so far it, it's a fun atmosphere it's a it's a fun team to watch. Some of the the bigger names from a year ago are no longer with the team um, and then they've had some promotions Which you, already you like expect you're sure absolutely. you know you look at um, like this year Spencer Steer was a guy that kind of blew up towards the latter part of last season uh, offensively. And then has played played lights out to start the season offensively for the wind surge. Got it's promoted. He was he's with St. Paul right now. Um, you know, so th- that's the nature of the beast when you're in the double A, and it's not uncommon, obviously, for guys that are playing well to move up. Uh, but it's it's great to see the success that they've had early on. Um, you know, the Texas League is full of teams that have a, a a lot of talent, quite a bit of talent, the drillers, you know, obviously are the Dodgers double a affiliate and they're the Dodgers historically are known for having a very strong farm system. And, you know, so they're obviously, you know, big competition and, you know, so it, just what they're able to do in that league against formidable opposition, um, I, I think is great. And so I'm looking forward to getting out and watching more, more baseball. I will say from a negative perspective, that's not about the game at all. Um, I can do without all the alternate identities of the team and the different names and jerseys and all that. I think it's really stupid. The turbo tubs is dumb. Um, I don't like it, but what what do I know?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I do. I have seen some, some turbo tubs gear around then, you know, they went uh, Mexican one night and they were the, the tumba vacas which is how they got away with that. Uh, the upside down cow, cow. green, right. pink cat thing. Um, I'm a traditionalist, so you know that's that's me. They're trying to get people excited about the ballpark and about the game and about the team. So I mean, I get that part of it. If it was up to me, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm not a guy. I don't even like having more than three uniforms. So you're, this would you're be a
0: suggestion that I barking
1: have. up the wrong tree with me in terms of alternate uniforms. Uh, I don't names. know if I don't know
0: if you saw this. I believe it was just the other night when they were playing Corpus Christi. And uh, Corpus Christi has a, a sponsorship with Whataburger, and a like every Tuesday night game or something like that, Corpus Christi wears Whataburger uniforms, and like they look, it looks it's, like look. it's orange and white, like striped with the Whataburger logo all over it. No. What the the Wind Surge want to do something like that? Partner up with like freddy's frozen custard you know and wear like freddy's that's what we need is like
1: red and white pinstriped pants it'd be amazing like if you're gonna do something out of the
0: box like that that's what i would recommend
1: i mean get it if you're gonna do that let's just get the get the name to the ballpark and you know freddy's freddy freddy's field or something freddy freddy field freddy field i love it Something like that um wichita seventh in the league in hitting They're just kind of middle of the pack in home runs and strikeouts. Second in walks, though, their pitching has been really, really impressive. It's so sad because I was actually out there. I got to watch Spencer Steer play in one of his last wind surge games. He's top 10 in the Texas League in average. He was hitting three oh seven, so you certainly understand why he got caught up. But it's really been the pitching that's been the most impressive. Wichita is second in the Texas League in ERA. They're one of only two teams in the whole league with an ERA under five. And they're first by like a half a run. It's a 4.28 ERA. We've got the second best whip in the league. Second best opponent average in the league. Search leading the league in strikeouts. Matt Wallner has been on kind of a tear lately. He started bad. He hit just 200 in April, but he's hitting 304 in May. He had only five extra base hits in April. He's got 11 in may and simeon woods richardson is one of the most exciting pitching prospects in the league now he has not pitched well this month he gave up just seven hits in 21 and two-thirds innings in april he's given up 22 and 20 in may but simeon woods richardson is another guy if he can start to put it back together i think he's a guy that may be the next one to get that call up for for the wind surge
0: yeah you know and, and again it's when when you're balancing the fact that these guys that are performing well are going to get called up there. There's clearly the, the next man up strategy um, and, and how are you going to continue the success long term when you don't exactly know who your roster is going to be a month from now, or, you know, two months from now, you, you kind of, you know, the guys who are more than likely not going to get called up and they're going to be with you for the long haul, but you gotta be willing to, uh, to adjust and be flexible on the fly. And, you know, R- Ramon Borrega has done that really well. He did that last season really well, managed his way through that uh, to th- to where they made the playoffs. You know, so again, I, I think I like the position where this team is. Um, and especially if a couple of other guys can step up and pick up where Spencer Sear left off offensively, I think they'll be in good shape.
1: They are in Corpus Christi for a six-game series. They trail in the bottom of the seventh, nine to 9-5. They are next in Wichita to take on the Rough Riders of Frisco 705 day after Memorial Day on the 31st of May. Six games set against Frisco to open up June next month. That will lead us to open up our final segment of the show, our last piece of business. And it's time to hit the music as we go around Wichita. It's time for our Wichita Whip Around. Maybe a story from around Wichita sports that you may have missed. Tommy, what is your whip for today?
0: You know, I'm gonna be actually really nice. I'm gonna let you go first because I feel wow. like I always go first on this segment. I mean, that's true. I'm gonna true. I'm gonna pass the baton to you.
1: Okay. Well, uh, my... Mine is very simple, I'm gonna stick with Wichita State. Wichita State's Michael Bryan and Taryn Taylor qualifying for the NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships this week in the Fayetteville Regional. Bryan finished third in the hammer throw with a distance of 227 feet, five inches. All three of his throws would have easily qualified him. Meanwhile, Taryn Taylor qualified for the national championships in the Javelin with a 240 foot, 11 inch throw. He finished in second place. Right now, tonight, Amanda Kukulias is in competition for the Shocker women trying to qualify in the shot put. The Shocker men earlier this month ended Houston's five-season winning streak to capture their first-ever American Athletic Conference men's track and field title. So, Wichita State, not all doom and gloom with both teams being ousted from their postseason softball and baseball tournaments. The Shockers still pointed to play for, and they'll have some representation at the Nationals coming up here. I believe those are just always held in Oregon because Oregon's just so track crazy. But uh, coming up next month, Shockers will still be in action. Tommy, now it is your turn, sir.
0: Yeah, so the reason I was going to have you go first was because <clears throat> I was unsure if you were going to take mine. But I had a Which backup <clears throat> in case you you did. You didn't take mine, so I'm not going to use the backup. Sure. I'm going to use my primary story. You should. <clears throat> and the reason that I thought that you would potentially talk about this is because I saw you tweet about it the other day. And that's derby high school track and field and Ooh, Ke- yeah. Keisha should be absolutely ashamed of themselves for those of you that are not familiar with the story derby high school head track coach cedric shell was registering his athletes for the regional meet at wichita state uh, on friday at cessna stadium he made a mistake in the application he clicked the wrong button he put a player or a runner that is no longer on the team in the registration and completely disqualified the entire four by 100 meter relay team and that can be overturned by a committee at Keisha and they chose not to overturn it and so one of the best relay teams in the state will not be able to participate because of an inadvertent error by the coach at Derby now that's heartbreaking for the for the students it's embarrassing for the coach, unfortunately. I'm sure that he would give anything to go back and and not make that mistake. But it's unconscionable that the that Acacia could not have taken this under consideration, made an exception, overturned the ruling, and let these guys run.
1: So the a, a correction. This is my understanding. My okay. understanding is that the ruling and the appeal does not go to the Kansas does not go to the KSHSAA. It goes to a committee of the regional coaches. And that those but isn't coaches, that
0: governed by Keisha?
1: I mean, it's governed by Keisha in, insofar as Keisha has a provision in the rules that allows for an appeal and a correction to be made if these coaches all vote in favor of it obviously derby is appealing to their uh, you know their competition right so i'm not i'm not saying that you know maybe this isn't the best way to have it set up if you are the KSHSAA, but it was not like somebody at the Kansas State High School Activities Association that said okay you know we are KSHSWA stamp of, stamp of denial we are denying your ability to run it was the regional coaches that said, we we're not going to let you make a correction. Okay, but basically the competition so then, that said then, that, then
0: sh- shame on the competition, and which shame I on. I agree, Ka- it's
1: totally and, gutless. Totally and shame, gutless. shame
0: on shame on Keisha for for having that be the mode of appeal in the first place. Uh, that that should absolutely you should never have your competition judge you on whether or not you should even be competing. Because what do you you expect from, like, Derby's one of the best teams in the relay. Sure. So, of course, the competing coaches are going to say, nah, you can't run. Because they don't want that competition in there. And unfortunately, regardless of the process in all of this, the only people that this truly hurts are the students, are the kids. Those four guys. The kids, those four guys that don't get a chance to run at the state meet. That's absolutely sickening.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a joke. Those those other coaches, you know, because they can What the KSHSAA does do. And talk about it all the time. It's about how, you know, it's for the love of the game and integrity and the sportsmanship and all this other it stuff. It was an
0: inadvertent error. It yeah. you know, it'd be yeah, I feel there, like it'd be different if there was some sort of nefarious purpose, sure gaining an illegal Ineligible or player. unfair advantage. Yeah. Right. This was a player that is no longer no even longer in team. school. Yeah. He's not even in I don't even think he's in I think he graduated. I don't even think he's part yeah. he's not there anymore. Well, it was inadvertent it was a mistake and unfortunately because of that these kids get robbed
1: yeah it, it it's it's got the, the other coaches they're they're gutless they're absolutely gutless and they they have you know no integrity whatsoever and you know i i i hope that when it comes around and those other regional coaches if they make a mistake they better be ready for derby to vote no because if i was the sure. derby coach I would never let any of those programs make a change to their roster or their lineup ever again. And, yeah, maybe I I think that this is something that the KSHSAA needs to look at. They they need to look at this and say, isn't there a way, if we're truly promoting sportsmanship and for the student-athlete and, you know, we're going to allow this to happen? I mean, apparently they are, but, yeah, the blame is on those coaches. They're gutless, and it's terrible. Um, final thing to wrap up here before we put a bow on this episode, and we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Appreciate it if you like, share, and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, however you are listening. We really appreciate it. Like us on Twitter. We're at Cog Sports. But any additions, corrections, or attractions? I know you already got corrected a couple of times, so don't tell me how to perfect. Okay, show.
0: come on. Uh, the only addition that I have um, is is slightly political. I'm going to jump into the political arena. A little oh no. Bit. Uh, but it's actually. I mean, it's it's something that's that's definitely relevant though to the program. Uh, Governor Laura Kelly signed a sports betting bill uh, into oh, yeah, effect sure. for the state of Kansas from the last time we had the show to now. So starting, I believe it goes into effect July one. Uh, and About so time. Kansans will be able to place uh, bets in the state, and so. You're going to probably be seeing things like DraftKings and FanDuel start to advertise heavily in the state of Kansas uh, to be able to bet on sports. And then it wouldn't surprise me one bit uh, to see some of the uh, area casinos, you know, especially the the ones that are state owned, have sports books uh, inside those arena inside inside those casinos. So uh, definitely a big change there for fans that are into that.
1: Yeah, they, you know, we're always talking about how we need money. And I know that this is only sports adjacent, like because poker is shown on ESPN. So it's kind of quasi. I mean, it's a game. It's not a sport. I would never claim that it's a sport. Like there are, I've heard some people listen. Nobody's more into video games than I am. But there have been people talking to me about, oh, yeah, esports at the Olympics. Like, whoa. Whoa. (laughs) whoa let's relax on that like all the way the hell down take that from a 10 all the way down to a zero to me and i like esports but it's not a sport but we need all this revenue as a state if we're going to get political sure and you know we're taught i know there are people that are talking about marijuana there are people that are talking about that sports betting can we get some poker rooms like what are we doing like if the Kansas Star just closed theirs. We used to have poker rooms around. You go to Texas, you can't drive like five minutes in Austin without finding a poker room. Like, can we have poker rooms in Kansas? Have a rake, send it to Topeka. Let's get with it here. Okay, why do we have to drive to Oklahoma to play meaning, meaningful, you know, no-limit hold'em poker? It's just the stupidest thing ever. I, I definitely I
0: know. Canada. I definitely know if we do get poker rooms, surely one of them will want to sponsor this program after that impassioned plea (laughs) on this program. I would hope so. Um,
1: A couple of notes for me. Christian Brown has opted to remain in the NBA draft. Obviously a big blow to the Jayhawks' hopes of repeating, but as I said the last time the Jayhawks won a championship, you win a championship. There is no judgment here. Thank you for your service, sir. Best of luck to you. God bless and Godspeed. Uh, Jalen Dye has committed to KU football from Palomar College. Three seasons of eligibility remaining. He's the son of a former Kansas City Royal, Jermaine Dye. Kenny Logan led the Big 12 in tackles last year. He's likely going to be the number one at that position going into the summer. Kansas State men's basketball will be heading to Butler for the Big 12 and Big East Challenge. KU is hosting Seton Hall, Kansas State women's basketball. They are hosting Iowa next year, the defending Big Ten champions. They had that player that like shoots threes from half court. I'm not sure if she's still going to be a Hawkeye, but um, kind of exciting for that program to take on Iowa. And also, going to college football, which we are not that far away from, Kellis Robinette reporting that Kansas State football is going no huddle offense this year. Wide open style that they kind of tinkered around with in the Texas Bowl. Apparently, it's going to stick around under the direction of first-year offensive coordinator Colin Klein, who is coaching the quarterbacks. In case you missed that for the Cats this season, his first year as the OC for Coach Klein. Uh, your initial thoughts on that? No huddle offense for the Cats this year.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like I like speeding things up a little bit. Um, you know, Colin Klein was you know, known for running around quite a bit. I mean, that was what made him made him so successful. And, uh, you know, I, I obviously it's going to depend upon the personnel and and what they're able to bring to the table f- to see if it truly works or not. But um, I, I like that move. Obviously, the other thing about Colin Klein uh, that we would be remiss to um, not mention on the show is that he's being inducted into, I believe it's the Ring of Honor. I think it's what they call it at K-State. Um, the, basically, you know, the Hall of a Fame. brainer yeah, so he'll be inducted there, which is uh which is awesome and and well deserved for Colin Klein. Another a couple quick notes here that just came to mind. You mentioned Christian Brown at KU for basketball, staying in the draft. Kevin McColler, who had played at Texas Tech, committed to Kansas as a transfer if he yeah. does, in fact, leave the NBA draft, which Could be a big pickup for Bill Self and a good replacement for Christian Brown. And then I saw this uh, online yesterday that I thought was interesting. And again, I know we're going to get far more into college football as the summer rolls on. Did you know, would you be surprised if I told you that as of right now, the University of Kansas under Lance Leopold has the 24th ranked transfer class in America and fourth in the Big 12 in utilizing the transfer portal.
1: I would be surprised. I know at you that. don't
0: care. I know you don't care about. I mean, yeah, about
1: it doesn't matter. But the I mean, rank
0: of these guys and coming in or whatever until it actually translates onto the field. But I think that's notable.
1: That, that I it know is. you don't, but I think it is. It it is notable. It's noteworthy. Like I said, it doesn't get us any wins, as far as I know. But. I mean, yeah. Hopefully, some of those guys will help. That it is. It is an eye opener. That is for sure. I will definitely give you that. Did we beat Texas?
0: Oh, we did. did. We Higher than Texas. Yeah. I mean,
1: uh, that, yeah. That w-
0: oh, I thought you meant last season. Yes, we no, did. No, no, no. We did, did we beat Texas, Texas last season.
1: Transfer portal.
0: Uh, I believe so. Yes.
1: Wow. I mean, yeah. SEC. SEC that's what they tell me at least that's our show uh as we as you know we are on uh a I don't know how many hour break it is but we'll be back in a couple of weeks every other week here in the summer or and uh during 2022 for the podcast appreciate the help and support for spreading the show once again at Cogpod on Twitter like share and subscribe and all the audio we appreciate you guys watching and listening very very much we'll see you for episode 98 in a couple of weeks as we get things cranked around in June For our beloved audio listeners, Tommy, what is your Twitter handle?
0: Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at any time at TweetsFromTommy. We're at CogPod
1: as a show, and I am at Crips, B-E-C-R-I-P-P-S. Have a happy and safe Memorial Day weekend, everybody.
0: We'll catch you next time on The Keeper of the Games. Take care, guys. You've been
1: listening to Keeper of the Games. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at cogpod. That's K-O-G pod.